You're listening to the Liberty News Radio Network, and this is the Political Cesspool. The Political Cesspool, known across the South and worldwide as the South's foremost populist conservative radio program. And here to guide you through the murky waters of the political cesspool is your host, James Edwards. It's great to be home, ladies and gentlemen, after two weeks on the road. Uh, we are back live this evening, Saturday night, February the 17th, and not a second to waste. We're just going to jump right back into it in the third hour. Uh, yours truly and Keith Alexander will cover uh, some random news stories and uh, give you some announcements and things uh, along those lines. But first, let's uh, get into our featured guest of the evening, Sam Dixon, who's back on the program this evening for an in-depth discussion about Tucker Carlson's recent interview with Vladimir Putin, yes, but much more than that, about Russia and the United States and, well, you'll see. Uh, but why Sam? Well, first of all, Sam's the jack of all trades, number one. He's knowledgeable on all the issues and capable of delivering thoughtful and incisive commentary on any question. But much more than that, he was my number one choice for this particular topic because he has taken a, a lifelong interest in Russia and has taken the time to study its history and its people. Uh, Sam, if you don't mind, just to get things started tonight, tell us a little bit more about that background. I know you had a Russian tutor in the past who made a big impact on you. Well, when I was young, I had a Russian tutor. Uh, surprisingly, we had... A family of white Russians who are members of our parish of the Presbyterian Church. I don't know how these Orthodox Russians came to be in our church, but they were, they were really fabulous people. Uh, and I just was drawn uh, to to Russia, to the architecture and the language and the literature. Uh, and then I learned Russian, uh, and I have always liked Russians. I liked Russians when they were communists, and I certainly like them now, and I liked them before they were communists. They, they have quite a history. Uh, they are like the Anglo-Saxons. They, they have carried our race and, and our religion uh, to distant parts of the world, uh, second only to the Anglo-Saxons. They, they took over Siberia. Uh, and uh, I find them very admirable people. They're very tough people. Uh, they seem to be very moral people. They're very deeply religious people. Uh, they're very thoughtful people. And I thought that was true of the rank-and-file Russians, even under communism. And I was simply overjoyed uh, with the fall of communism and seeing the pictures of the people smashing up the statues of Dzerzhinsky and Lenin, uh, and that I had hoped that this would be the beginning of a, a, a very warm relationship between the United States and Western Europeans and Russia. But I feared then, and my fears were right, that the historic hatred of Russia uh, among the usual suspects would lead to a confrontation, uh, especially if Russia uh, went back to the old Russia. When, when, when communism fell, the Russians had something to go back to. Uh, they could go back to the old Russia, a Russia that has existed since about 800 A.D. Uh, and they, they could go back to the Orthodox Church. The first thing that happened when the coup fell and the Communist Party was out, outlawed, as some people may remember, is that Yeltsin went and met with the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church, who hailed the, the end of communism uh, and the freedom that the church would now enjoy. Uh, and the Russian church immediately reverted to what it had been before. They canonized the czar and his family. Uh, they erected a cathedral over the room where they had been murdered by, by the non-Russian communists who killed them. Uh, and they, they 
Russia emerged with a very strong uh, conservative Christian uh, traditionalist government and population. And sure enough, the United States or the people who ruling, misrule the United States could not tolerate that. And we began seeing confrontation. Sam, I know you want to talk a little bit about the inner connectivity is that the word i'm looking for between the uh, the interview that everybody's talking about and the historical russian nation their relationship with the united states or lack thereof but one more question i have just setting the table with your background and this is just a very brief uh, background folks that we're giving you but uh, as a russophile you took a remarkable trip to russia with the late bill regnery of blessed memory in 2018 no, bill, bill was not there bill, bill was not there i i went with, with several other people Oh, I am mistaken then. But uh, in any event, uh, this was in, uh, we did a two-part series, folks, that you'll want to uh, check out. If you go into the broadcast archives, August 11th, 2018, part one. Part two, September 1st, 2018, uh, that was uh, two hours of observations and reflections uh, that Sam shared with us after a month spent in Russia. Tell us why you went there, Sam, and what you witnessed. It was the 100th anniversary of the murder of the Tsar and his family and the martyrdom of the imperial family in Yekaterinburg. And several of us wanted to go there. I, I wanted to go in honor of my Russian tutor, uh, who had, had been very very much uh, a supporter of the old Russia. She had a portrait of the imperial family on her wall. Uh, and I wanted to be present. Uh, and it was a very moving experience. The, uh, I was in Russia for a month. Uh, I, I had only one unpleasant experience uh, while I was there. I had one in St. Petersburg when a communist, there still are some left, uh, saw that I was wearing a monarchist symbol on my, my fur hat, uh, and he uh, tried to provoke a fight, uh, but other people intervened, and he sulked off, looking angry the way communists and leftists always seem to be angry. Uh, but anyway, but everybody else was nice to me. They were thrilled to have an American that knew something about their country, that spoke their language, uh, that was friendly to them. And uh, they would come and eat with me in restaurants uh, that asked if they could sit at my table. Uh, I did not see any of the signs of, of, of horrific tyranny and oppression that, that the American people are fed uh, in the, the so-called American media. Uh, many people freely talked to me about their disagreements with Putin and their voting for opposition parties. Uh, they weren't looking over their shoulders in fear like we have to do when we discuss issues like race and, and Zionism and immigration in America and restaurants. We have to be very careful. There was none of that in Russia. Uh, and I, I found the ceremony was, was beyond anything I expected. They erected this beautiful cathedral in Yekaterinburg over the room where they were, they were the royal family were gunned down. Um, the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church came and, and led a solemn memorial mass on a, a deck that had been built out over the hill on which the house which they were murdered stands. And then he led the people uh, in a, a several-hour pilgrimage to uh, where the bodies were found after the fall of communism. Uh, people led led people led inquirers or, or, or researchers to where the they they tradition had told them the remains of the royal family had been buried, uh, and so the, the, there was a pilgrimage. 125,000 people came to the the ceremony carrying icons and pictures of the czar, and and no surprise, uh, this event was not mentioned at all in the American media. 
uh, members of the of the European royal families uh, were there and had their own ceremony. I think the Duchess of Kent, uh, the Princess of Kent, uh, represented uh, the British royal family, uh, the minor figure. But anyway, it was a very, very moving experience. The, the cathedral is beyond one's capacity to imagine anything so beautiful. The high altars erected uh, immediately above the room where they were murdered by the communists. But it was a very moving, moving time. Very much. Well, so. I would, I would just say this. I want to get Keith in on this. Uh, be sure, folks. That's just a brief snippet. We did two hours in 2018 on his trip to Russia. Remarkable. So he's taken a keen interest in Russia as an intellectual. He studied it, Russian tutor, been to Russia. Uh, Keith, let's bring you in on this, and then we'll get back to brass tacks. Okay, two brief things, Sam. Um, <clears throat> my impression as a student of history <clears throat> basically was that Tsarist Russia was a righteous and holy nation, and post-Soviet Russia is trending back towards being what the Tsarist Russia was, uh, on the other hand, the Soviet Union was an evil empire. Um, is that a correct thumbnail idea? Uh, that, is a, that is a correct assessment. Russia has always been on the, the front line uh, of fighting for our race and civilization. Russia was conquered by the uh, by the, uh, the by the Genghis Khan Mongols uh, and held in bondage for two horrific centuries, uh, while the rest of Europe uh, was free. And Russia broke free in uh, 1380 when they defeated uh, the Asiatics uh, in the great battle of uh, Kulikova, the field of Kulikova. Uh, it was a, an amazing battle. Eighty uh, percent of all the soldiers who fought on either side died that day. It wasn't the usual kind of battle where one side outflanks the others and one run, army runs away. Uh, they hacked at each other with axes for the entire day. Uh, and the um, and, and and broke free. They broke the free of the yellow people, and the the Russians. I think on a very deeply a deep level, subconsciously, are very aware of the danger of aliens. My Russian tutor used to refer to the Zhalsia opust, the literally the yellow peril. And I found that Russians are very suspicious of Asiatics. Uh, even communist Russians seem to be instinctively fearful of them. And, of course, China is their natural enemy, uh, just as Mexico is our natural enemy. Um, both of these countries pose demographic threats uh, to, to the Russians and to us. But right, Russia was on the, on the cutting edge. The, the Russians who drove the yellow people, uh, the, the horrific, brutal Mongols out of Europe and across the Urals, and eventually conquered all of Siberia and colonized it with our race. Uh, it was Russia that drove the Turks out of Ukraine and, and liberated Ukraine and restored Ukraine to be part of the European family of nations. Uh, it was Tsar Nicholas I uh, in, in the 1850s who tried to liberate the Christians in the Balkan states um, uh, in, in, in Europe. Uh, was thwarted by the influence of the usual people uh, who instigated a war, the Crimean War, uh, for the purpose of opposing the, the liberation of Christians. And there's a very interesting book and on that, Russia Crimean down. War, that goes in, into the, the lying media, how the media in France and, and Britain lied and covered up the atrocities perpetrated by the Muslims against Christians uh, and lied about uh, the Tsar and the Russians and so on. 
but they they have always been uh, the Russian the Russian war aims at World War One had the Tsar not been overthrown uh, and the non-Russians triumphed over Russia. Uh, their 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 aim was to dr- again to drive the Turks out not only of Europe but to drive them uh, out of uh, Eastern Asia Minor and liberate the Armenian Christians and to liberate the Greek Christians uh, in the westernmost parts uh, of Turkey. And, and to restore Constantinople and to allow Constantinople to be reunited with Greece under the Greek king. Uh, but anyway, uh, they have always been a, a tremendous factor in, uh, in the spread of our race and our civilization and religion. And they've always been yeah. hated by the wrong people. Uh, the, the last time I can find that any American president puts the interests of the American people above the privileged minority that rules us was President Taft, and it involved Russia. We had a commercial treaty with Russia, uh, and it came up for renewal while President Taft was was in office around 1910. Uh, And the usual suspects, led by Jacob Schiff, who will be uh, a name that many of the people listening will know, was the Jewish banker who funded of the Bolshevik Revolution and the brutal slaughter uh, of Russian Christians in the in the Soviet and also period. the Japanese in the Russo-Japanese War. That, that it was Jewish financiers. Amer- the, yeah. the American the, the American government and the British government took the side of the Japanese against their own race. Public opinion in America was sympathetic to the Russians, but the government of America was not. Uh, and the, uh, I think Roosevelt, the first Roosevelt, was president. But they, anyway, they, uh, the, the Jacob Schiff led a delegation from the community to ask President Taft not to renew the commercial treaty. Uh, they were already trying to overthrow the Tsar. They were already funding uh, communist movements and terrorism uh, in, in Tsarist Russia. And they, they did not want this treaty renewed because it meant good things for Russia. Russia had achieved the highest economic growth rate in the world uh, in the last decade of the Tsar's rule. Uh, and they wanted to stop that. Uh, and so Taft listened to them, and he said, well, I'm sympathetic. Uh, he's the usual, you know, blather about being opposed to monarchy and stuff. Uh, but he said that, that I'm president of the United States, and this treaty – means money for American business and jobs for American workers. Uh, and that's, what I, that's why I have to renew it. And Jacob Schiff, in his autobiography, says he told him, you're a lame duck president. And then they left, and they funded the idiot, Franklin, the idiot uh, Theodore Roosevelt to run on a third ticket in the 1912 elections, uh, and they put their dupe, Wilson, in office. And they split the Republican the vote in two by having Taft... Uh, being running against Teddy Roosevelt, and that's what allowed as well as Wilson. Uh, Wilson to become president. And basically, with the exception of Grover Cleveland, between the end of the uh, Civil War and uh, the beginning of uh, Taft's—I mean uh, Wilson's administration—there was only one Democrat president during that time, Grover Cleveland. Everything else was Republican, and they managed to switch the paradigm through their typical machinations. Right. And they they put Wilson in. Wilson had had a lot of sexual adventures, and they had plenty of information with which to blackmail him. Uh, and he also was an idiot, uh, and was useful to them just because <laughs> he, was, he was stupid enough to believe what what he what they had said him. But anyway, they removed Taft, and I, I've I've studied 
American government since since 1910, and I I can't find any time since then that any administration has ever uh, you know, subordinated the interests of, of Jacob Schiff's community to those of the American people. Uh, at every turn, their their interests have been given priority over our interests. All right, and that's what's let, going let, on now with, with what our policies toward Russia. Well, what I was going to say is, ladies and gentlemen, I think by now you understand why we're setting the table in this fashion. We are setting the table because you obviously have a guest here who is very well versed on Russian history and American history and how it intertwines and what the intersection is between this interview that everybody's talking about. Now, Sam and I exchanged a couple of emails earlier this week, yesterday, a couple of days ago, and I had a vision, he had a vision, and he said he's got his own roadmap in mind. So with about seven or eight minutes left before we take our first break of the night. And then we are going to get back to obviously the topic at hand, Tucker Carlson's interview of Vladimir Putin, but uh, taking the long path to it by really setting the stage, uh, I am going to defer to my intellectual better and better in just about every way uh, and let him uh, have the first stab at this. You had your own roadmap in mind of things you wanted to convey to the audience tonight vis-a-vis Carlson and Putin. And what were they, Sam? Well, we can lead into the, the Carlson-Putin interview uh, by, by looking at, at the, the broader picture of Russia and the United States, uh, because President Putin himself began the interview with a rather long history lesson, uh, which I think was a mistake, but, but uh, you know, who am I to critique the guy that has risen to his level when I have not gone very far in life? But anyway, the, uh, when you Too look modest. at it... I, I, I said that the, the, the American government subordinate the interests of the, the Christian, European, Anglo-Saxon, uh, and related groups' interests to those of this other, other group. Uh, what, what are, in, in broad strokes, what, what are the, the objective factors that, that should govern our relationship with Russia? Well, first and foremost, uh, we have no common border with Russia. Uh, we we have no uh, Russians are not funding immigration into our country. They're not flooding us with immigrants the way Mexico. Not coming and across China. the Bering Sea. Yeah, they uh, they they are the natural guardians of our race and civilization and religion uh, against the Chinese. There are one and a half billion Chinese. They're swarming into America uh, in, in in huge numbers. Uh, and friends of mine who know Chinese, children of president minister, missionaries to Taiwan, have told me that if you could read what, what's on the Internet, on Chinese websites, it would scare the bejesus out of you. America is the next Tibet. They took Manchuria, they took Tibet, and America is next. So Russia, Russia is our national guardian to preserve people that look like us. Russians look like us. Uh, that they... they their language, that's an Indo-European language. They share our civilization. They share our religion. Uh, and they are the here, here. national guardians of Europe against this colossal genetic peril. Uh, I also have is, an experience that we, is uh, different from ours. We're isolated. We have two large moats right, called the Atlantic right. Pacific Ocean and the polar ice cap. On the other hand, Russia and Ukraine are basically the crossroads of invading armies from you know, Napoleon they, and they've had a, on the You're right. They've, and... had a, they've had a long experience of being invaded. Uh, and and exactly. so they're far more nervous when nations start forming alliances on their borders than maybe we would be. We ought to be. Anybody should be. 
uh, but they, they've had a, a, an experience of alien occupation, invasions, uh, and so on. But when you look at it economically, uh, we need each other. We are natural trading partners. They need what we produce. We need what they produce. There is no reason why we should not have a flourishing economic relationship with them. Uh, they are our people. They, they look like us. They share our religion. They share our race. They share our civilization. But America has taken the exact opposite attitude. It has taken the attitude of hostility, confrontation, uh, effort to topple the Russian government, uh, efforts to, to create alliances on its borders, uh, efforts to we, we overthrew the government of Ukraine in 2014, our undersecretary of state, uh, Victoria Newland, uh, her conversations with the American ambassador were intercepted by the Russians and published. Uh, instead of being shocked at what this woman was saying, because she, she said, we're going to overthrow the government of Ukraine because they want good relations with Russia, and we want to install a nation that will be hostile and confrontational to Russia, and we have the list of people that we will put in charge of Ukraine. And the American ambassador said, well, the, the European Union might be uh, uh, upset about that, and this elegant uh, member of the, of the community uh, replied in the, in the intercepted conversation, fuck the European Union. This Is, is this an America we can be proud of? I don't think so. Uh, but she's back now under Biden, and she's a major force. She has a, the same historic racial hatred of Russians that Jacob Schiff has, and that the editors of the New York Times, and the people in, in, the, in the National Radio, and their type all through America, they hate Russia. They hate Russians. They, they back this Bolshevik revolution. They back the slaughter of the imperial family. They back the famine. They lied about the famine in the New York Times and said it wasn't taking place because they were happy to have millions of white Christians dying of, of starvation. That seems like an extreme statement. Hold them all. I think it's a pretty obvious truth. Yeah, Sam, anyway, let me ask you this real, real quickly. What is it that, uh, you know, the Jews hate the Russians for so much. Well, I, 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 it's really a, a very unpleasant subject. Uh, you know, I, I hate to hate to deal with it. Uh, I have known Jews that 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 I have liked, and still know Jews I like. Uh, and and I I have relatives who are Jews, but and I, I but still, the fact of the matter is. To sum up not only the problem they have with Russia, but the problem they have with us in the United States, the essential problem with the Jewish community is that they are necessarily hostile and adversarial to any country in which they live. They cannot continue to exist as a people without being adversarial. If they cease this hostile attitude, they would end up intermarrying like the French Jews did in South exactly. And they would disappear. The only, the only way they can survive is being hostile. Uh, and the, the Russians were aware of this hostility, uh, and they've, they've had centuries of experience with them, and the Tsar's policy was to protect the Russian people from them. Uh, and that, that is intolerable to them. And that's why they hated the Tsars. They, they, that's why they, promote, they, they 
promoted, one of the reasons they promoted the Crimean War, uh, to prevent the Russians from liberating the the uh, Slavic the Bosporus. Yeah, uh, they, the Tsar Nicholas I tried to to get Britain and France on board, and he he offered a, a, an agreement by which Russia would not annex any territory, and Constantinople would simply be given to Greece. But but the Prime Minister of Britain and the government of France like the governor of the United States, since President Taft, didn't want that. They were, they were under the control and being bribed, uh, and the interest of the community came ahead of the interest of the people who, who they were supposed to represent. We're going to take a quick break, our first of the night. Don't worry, a very unusual show in which we're going to have one guest for two hours. Sam Dixon talking about Russia, Carlson, Putin. It's all coming up. Stay tuned. Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News. I'm Corey Myers. Ukraine has given Russia a win. Troops have withdrawn from the frontline city of Adivka to avoid being surrounded. Russia has been trying to capture the city for months. It's the most significant territorial gain for Russian forces since they took the eastern city of Bakhmut last May. The battle for the industrial hub has been one of the bloodiest of the two-year war. Russia, meanwhile, trying to develop a nuclear space weapon that would destroy satellites in orbit around the Earth with a massive energy wave. President Joe Biden reassured the American people. There is no nuclear threat to the people of America or anywhere else in the world with what Russia is doing at the moment. The technology being called a nuclear EMP, basically a pulse of electromagnetic energy and highly charged particles that would disrupt satellites, uh, cell phones, TV, the Internet, just about everything. The weapon is still being developed. Former President Donald Trump was very clear about how he feels about the order to pay over $350 million as in the final verdict of his New York civil fraud trial. Comes out of Biden. It's a witch hunt against his political opponent, the likes of which our country has never seen before. His son, Eric, also implicated, was baffled by the judgment. You have a company like ours that had paid over $300 million in taxes to a city. My father built the skyline of New York City. And this is the thanks he gets? The Trumps do plan on appealing that verdict, but sources say the former president and his co-defendants will likely need to come up with the full judgment of $355 million before they can move ahead with that. This is USA News. I've got a unique vacation idea for you that's right here in the United States. If you're ready for a vacation that's fun and downright affordable, listen up. It's driving distance for many of you. So no planes, no airline delays, no hassles. It's Branson, Missouri, the entertainment capital of the Midwest. Live music for everyone. Branson has three beautiful, enormous lakes, water attractions, live shows, great food, and tons of entertainment. It's a perfect vacation for you and your family. Or if you're retired and you want to have a great time. And you can stay in Branson. 
Branson for as low as $99 a night. Please understand, this is not a timeshare offer. It's a real vacation for as little as $99 a night. We've got a free vacation guide we want to send you right now. All you have to do is call for complete details. Get your free Branson, Missouri guide right now by calling this number. 800 399 4215. 800 399 Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. The Honorable Cause of Free South is a collection of 12 essays written by Southern Nationalist authors. The book explores topics such as what is the Southern nation, what is Southern nationalism, and how can we achieve a free and independent Dixie. The Honorable Cause answers questions on our own terms. The book invites readers to understand for themselves why a free and independent Dixie is both preferable and possible. The book pulls in some of the biggest producers of pro-South content, including James Edwards, the host and creator of The Political Cesspool, and Wilson Smith, author of Charlottesville Untold, Arkansas congressional candidate and activist Neil Kumar, host and creator of the Dissident Mama podcast, Rebecca Dillingham, author of A Walk in the Park, My Charlottesville Story, Identity Dixie's Patrick Martin, and yours truly, Michael Hill, founder and president of the League of the South, as well as several other authors. The Honorable Cause is available now at Amazon.com. After all these years, anytime I can sit entirely enthralled by what I'm hearing a guest say, I hope you can as well as the listening audience. And uh, you had over the course of the last 30 minutes just a little bit, just a tiny bit of history. You understand that we are confined by the constraints of commercial talk radio and time and all of that. But I wanted to, I thought it was important that we start that way with Sam to give you a little bit of background and now moving forward uh, we are to this interview, but even with that, uh, we will still be interweaving some of these thoughts and uh, ancillary issues. Uh, but Sam, let's uh, just a quick answer on this. Uh, just a quick answer on this, and then I have a, a part B to this question. Uh, the table having now been set, the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin has been the big, biggest political news story in the world this past week. What was your general opinion? Well, I was, uh, I, was I think, highly of Tucker Carlson. And I was very happy to, that he, uh, as, as a great journalist, did this interview. Um, the, 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 uh, the FDS, the New Left, when I was in college, used to like to say that the action is in the reaction. 
And as you and I discussed previously, the the there's so much to learn, uh, not merely from the interview, but the reaction uh, throughout the United States to the interview. But uh, it was you would think anybody would be happy to hear the other side, you know, but not in America. In America, we're never we're not allowed to hear the other side. We live in a well, not very today's clever, America at least. Well, I think that's always been the case. Uh, It was the case under Franklin Roosevelt. It was the case under Woodrow Wilson. It was the case under President McKinley. Uh, You know, this is a this is a a a tree, a a poisonous tree with a very deep taproot in American history. Uh, And the the uh, you know the the idea that that oh it's so terrible that Putin might subvert the American people. You have have all the the American (laughs) journalists, the, the prostitutes, were all carrying on that, oh, Tucker Carlson is no journalist. This shows how bad he is because Putin is going to be allowed to lie to the American people. You know, we get nothing but lies about Russia. What, the, the idea that a two-hour interview is going to be so dangerous to tell you something about, about the fact that yes. most of these journalists know it's a pack of lies, what they tuttle. Uh, anyway, so I was, I was happy to see it. Yeah, no I, doubt I about it. it was, I would I would like to say that it was a great interview. I don't think it was a great interview. I think it was a a C grade or C minus grade interview for a number of reasons. Uh, Putin himself started out with a long history lesson, and the fact is the American. But Sam, people, Sam, will you pardon uh, this interruption? Can I can I interrupt you just for a moment? No, because ahead. I, I want to let the host. audience you're know. The, you're the, you're the, well, you're the, I know. You're, 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 you're in charge. You're the boss man. <laughs> you are Sam Dixon. And you are our guest, I, and I always I'm refer to the guest. A very humble man with much to be humble about. <laughs> less, uh, uh, certainly less than me, but uh, uh, in that regard, uh, I have much more than you. But I, I want to tell the people that we are going to – I have collected some reaction to this from Paul Craig Roberts, Chuck Baldwin, Ron Paul. We're going to get Sam's reaction to their reaction. But before he got but, into – But also, Putin said he was somewhat disappointed in Carlson. Well, I don't know what that was all about. But, I mean, he obviously chose Carlson because he knew it was going to be a favorable interview. He could have had any other ones that would have given him the adversarial type of interview that he claimed to have been wanting. But it, regardless, Sam, you're about to get into what uh, Putin was, was – talking about for uh, at least the first several minutes of the interview. Uh, and, to, and to that, I would ask you, to whom was he speaking? And I appreciated the thousand-plus-year history of Russia, but he has to know that Americans, and I'm trying to put this gently, but I don't know any other way to put it than most Americans, the vast majority, of, are functionally retarded in terms of uh, their they don't have a lot of history in historical uh, ignorance or their own country, Keith. I mean, they don't know the belligerents in World War II, the, the war between the states. They have a very short attention span, very ignorant, historically speaking. In this interview, Putin uh, said, Sam goes back 1,200 years to the founding of the Rus. The effects of dysgenics here in this country have, have rendered an interview like this almost useless for, for so many. Uh, they don't have the interest or the attention span. And he certainly wasn't trying to do it to change the minds of our elite. They're already bought and paid for. He knows that. Uh, and by the way, though, and this was something that came out in uh, uh, one article that I read about this, it's, it's worth noting that over 80% of the world's population lives in countries which have no quarrel with Russia. And to them, Putin may be the most respected leader globally. So my question to you, Sam, is this. Was his audience the wider global community that may watch this uh, uh, in a uh, uh, unfiltered Internet way that Twitter has given us uh, that isn't under the occupation of the American media? To whom was Putin, uh, Putin speaking? Well, I, I can't help but believe he was speaking to the American people. 
uh, you know, the, the other people don't need to be spoken to. They, they get it. They understand. Okay, good answer. Uh, I, 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 I shouldn't diverge, but I will. I used to go to Washington a lot. I still go there sometimes. But I would go to Washington on, on political stuff four or five times a year. Uh, and I would take the cabs before you Uber. And all, with only one, with one exception, all of the cab drivers I ever had in Washington were aliens. They're from every country in the globe, you know. Somalia, Pakistan, India, Thailand, Korea, you know, you know, and I would I would draw them into political conversations. Every single one of these people understood how America works, who's in charge of America, and they they get it. Uh, so I think I think when you get outside the United States uh, and, and our and our satellite countries, which we control, like Germany, uh, I think people get it. And, and so he, he shouldn't be wasting his time speaking. This is time to speak to the American people. But, but I, I don't think he knows how to do that. I mean, he's a foreigner. You have to be, uh, you know, I'm an American. I, I hasten to say I'm very critical of America, but I, I, am, I, my, I am an American. My, my family goes back to the 1600s in America. You know, my father was defended, descended from a general in the revolution. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm as American as you can get. But I'm I'm very aware of the, the shortcomings of my people, and what's happened to how they've been dumbed down and conned and used and misled. And I'm very aware of that. It makes me very angry, not only with the people who have done this, but our own people that they are they are such ready-made material for this kind of garbage, uh, and to be misled. As I said to you, you know, you would think after all the lies that have been told by by this government to justify these wars, uh, the Lusitania, the Spaniards have sunk the main, the Lusitania, uh, the, the, uh, the Japs have attacked Pearl Harbor with no for no reason, uh, the Tonkin Gulf Resolution, the weapons of mass destruction. How, how many times is Charlie Brown going to keep run, running and trying to kick the football <laughs> while Lucy's moving the football? I mean, damn it, wake up. And we've been conned over and over again, and we're always ready for the next con. Uh, but anyway, that, that's what's, what's going on here. Putin should have been speaking to American people. I think he was. But when I was a young lawyer, lawyer I had to be retrained after I got out of law school by the firm. Uh, and, and part of that was that when you're in college and, and you're, you're, you're interested in intellectual things, the way we do things is we start with little facts and we build up to a conclusion. And, and I was, it was explained to me in the trial lawyer seminars I went to that that's not how you deal with people. You have to start out and knock them dead. You can't gradually go up. Their minds drift. So if you've got a yeah. case, you start so out with the fact that my, my client came home uh, and found her husband in bed with the paper boy. That's what, that's what you start out with. You don't start out about <laughs> the little things. Uh, and, and he started out this long dissertation on history. So my guess is that, you know, 19 out of every 20 Americans were, were had turned it off by the end of that. Well, that's what uh, I was saying. Uh, I th- all uh, three of us certainly liked it, but for the so, average, so you may have overestimated the, the lay American. Can well, I liked well, it, but, thing, but there, there, was, there were bad things about it, you know, and, and Tucker picked up on that. He, it was an independent interview like you would not get from somebody like uh, Addison Cooper or well, he let him talk. Kelly. Of, yeah. He, he, he pointed out, well, you're talking about the Grand Duchy of Lithuania. Are you trying to regain the boundaries you had back then or something? You know, there, there was a lot of material that could be used by those who want to stir up wars. Uh, 
uh, the Cheneys and people like that, Mitt Romney, uh, the Bushes, the Schumers, uh, who want these wars. They, there's a lot of material they go, oh, he wanted the boundaries of Lithuania, Grand Duchy Lithuania in the 1500s. He wants to take over Poland and Hungary. You know, so, and he didn't emphasize the things that we were talking about earlier, that Russia is the guardian against China. I guess he couldn't do that because they've had to make an alliance with China because we've forced them because into China's arms. Because of the China's West. Arms. Yeah, well, the thing that is, Sam, the thing that I found curious was this. I don't think that Americans needed more, didn't need 25 minutes about why Russia feels like they have a claim on Ukraine, okay? We'll yeah. grant him that, okay? Right. What I was really curious about and didn't hear is who does he think is in charge of the American government <laughs> wanting to try to prevent of, uh, you know, getting themselves involved in this war on behalf of Ukraine. We know what question uh, Keith would have asked if he'd been granted the interview. we got one minute before the next break. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. hold on. Well, let's, let's, there's the music already. Uh, well, yeah, we knew he wasn't going to go there. Keith was chomping at the bit last week during the Valentine's Day show to get that question. <laughs> anyway, we'll be right back. Sam Dixon so generously... He graciously given us two hours of his time tonight. This was something I did not want to rush. This is something we're really sinking our teeth into. Very rare we have a guest for two hours, but tonight we're doing it. Stay tuned. Hey there, TPC family. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. As you are aware, America is divided over every fault line possible. This is intentionally fostered by those who do not love God, family, or country. We believe a peaceful future as a free people absolutely depends on civility. Clarion Call for Civility is looking for funding and volunteers at every level to make our hopes and efforts a reality. Please donate, sign our pledge, and help us in our sacred cause. Please visit callforcivility.com for more details. Callforcivility.com. My name is Christian Knuckles. I prophesy there will be no revival until the church leadership stops lying to the people. I'm the first soldier of the spiritual body of Christ, the Lion of Judah, the Confederate Church of Christ. I'm here to declare the lion will lie down with the lamb when the lying stops. A message from Christ Kingdom Ministries and brought to you by confederatechurchofchrist.com. Welcome back uh, with the incomparable Sam Dixon. We are the one and only longtime friend. I tell you what, uh, the years do go by, don't they? Uh, here we are now 
2024, 20 years on the air and still doing the best we can with the very best we can bring to you, and we've got him tonight. Uh, Sam, uh, going back to this, and we're going to get into your reaction to other people's reaction in the next hour. We've got questions from the audience that have come in for you and so much more. Thanks again for sticking with us for extended play uh, into the second well, hour I'm tonight. Very, but, I'm very honored. I, I, I get tired of listening to myself. I'm honored that anyone wants to listen to me. I, I, I lie awake <laughs> in my bed at night looking at the inky blackness. I think, is everybody else as tired of listening to as I am? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I uh, was going back today. I never tire of listening to you. I was going back today to find when we did those interviews uh, right after your trip from Russia. You came right home from Russia, got on the radio with us, and that was 2018. And I was looking through the dozens and dozens and dozens of uh, of uh, interviews we've done with you over the years. Uh, it's always great. But <laughs> Tucker, all right, two-part question here uh, to wrap up this part of uh, of the conversation. Uh, I would ask you, you're, and you've already touched on this, but Tucker's line of questioning or, or lack thereof, I do appreciate, and you gave the obvious answer. He, Putin was talking to the American people. I think he may have overestimated our, our intelligence here. Uh, not or, present or, our, or our interest in basically why Russia thinks they have a claim to Ukraine. Anybody, well, anybody who's been churned out of the public education system in the last 30 to 40 years, it just went way over their heads. But... Uh, his line of questioning or lack thereof, Sam, and I do appreciate that he gave Putin the, the opportunity to speak, just just speak, you know, at, at length uh, without interruption. And were there any missed opportunities for Putin, anything he should have said or done differently, in your opinion? He, he should have let out with the strongest argument. He, he should have let out with, with the American role in overthrowing the government of Ukraine in 2014, uh, as, and, and the role, the documented, the undeniable role, admissions by Victoria Newland, who's now back in the government with, with, with Biden, uh, that they wanted to overthrow the government of Ukraine precisely because that government of Ukraine wanted friendly relations with its neighbor. Uh, as an American, th this, this is something that deeply offends and angers me. Uh, America has no business going around the world trying to create friction between neighbors. That this is not something uh, that our system of morals or our religion, uh, you know, countenances. It, it doesn't bring anything to to America. It only brings pleasure to Victoria Newland, which is a name that she bought. That's not her birth name, uh, and, right. and people who like her have a hereditary hatred of Russia because of their own problems. Uh, that, that, that's what he should have started out with, in my opinion. Uh, and he should, he should have started out, he should have emphasized the things that bind us together, uh, why, we are, why we should be friends, not sharing any border with Russia, being the defender, the guardian of the gates of our ancestral homelands, our shared religion, he should have said that to try to reach the American people to make them see that, that what is being said by the American media and the American government is simply a pack of lies and, and a vindictive, malevolent, ill-spirited uh, pack of lies. Uh, he, he should have done that. He, he, should have, he should have emphasized something else, and that is, when all this stuff began really boiling up, when Zelensky, who is not a Ukrainian, uh, was made uh, head of Ukraine, uh, and all this stuff was boiling up, 
you know, Russia, Russia had three things they wanted, she wanted. She wanted an agreement with new, you know, solemn treaty with Ukraine and the United States and NATO that Ukraine would stay out of NATO. That's a very reasonable, given their history of invasions and hostile neighbors, it's a very reasonable request. And you don't have to be uh, a, a member of NATO to be part of the European Community of Nations. Switzerland is not a member of NATO. Well, what is the big agenda of bringing Ukraine into NATO? What does that bring to us? Nothing. Uh, he wanted Ukraine to stay out of NATO. He wanted an agreement that no that Ukraine would never allow foreign troops stationed on her soil, uh, and he wanted uh, and, and, and he wanted uh, a, a treaty like that that we entered into with the communist Soviet Union around 1955, by which everybody got out of Austria: the Americans, the British, the French, and the Soviets. Uh, and Austria was set up as an independent nation with an agreement that it wouldn't join NATO, it wouldn't let NATO troops or Soviet troops on its soil. That was, that was very reasonable. And what was the reaction uh, of this evil person who heads our country, this evil Biden? His reaction was that he said, oh, America never intends for Ukraine to enter NATO. We all know that's a lie. Uh, but that's what he said. And he said, uh, we'll never go to NATO. There's never going to be foreign troops there. We're in agreement with all this. But don't ask us to put it in writing. We're not going to make a treaty. And, and Biden did that after everybody knows that when the, when the Soviet Union fell and a genuine Russia emerged, we promised in the Minsk Accords that we would not bring NATO to the borders of Russia. They Angela Merkel, our, sab- our, our satellite uh, ruler uh, for, for Germany, she, she, had, she had gloated that we said that in order to con the Russians uh, and, and to pull the wool over their eyes because we always intended to do the opposite. Putin would have to be an idiot to believe Biden and the United States uh, after the Minsk Accords, which are admitted to be some, a, a trick. Now, these people that wanted to foment division, want confrontation, and, and so on, uh, you know, that should have been dealt with. He should have said that very, very right there. All of this could have been avoided by a treaty that would have accomplished exactly what Biden and Zelensky said at the time. We now know from what the Russians found in, in Ukraine, there already were foreign troops. We already were, had provided Ukraine with labs and things to build guns and bombs and stuff. We were already arming Ukraine. We've been arming Ukraine ever since we installed uh, a, a, a hostile government in 2014. He, 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 but he did allude to these things. Amen. But I thought he alluded to them very ineffectively. Well, uh, you can say this, too. Um, uh, basically, we've lied to the Russians ever since the fall of the Soviet Union. We've made all sorts of promises about, uh, you know, if you dissolve the Warsaw Pact, uh, we're not going to move an inch further to the east, you know, and it's one lie after another. Why in the world would the Russians give any credibility to any uh, commitment made by the United well, States government in light of their uh, uh, past history? Keith, now? that's actually a question that just came in uh, two minutes ago from a listener. Asked Sam about the broken promises made by the U.S., about NATO expansion. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Well, also, look at the whole history 
uh, ever since Franklin Roosevelt became president, uh, of how the U.S. nurtured uh, communism in the, in the Soviet Union and around the world. When, when, the, when, the, when, the, when, the, when the coup failed and the Communist Party was outlawed and Yeltsin met with the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church to indicate that the old Russia was back, they had a horrific economic situation. They were hungry. They were starving. Now, some of us old people like Keith, you're too young, uh, James, to remember. <laughs> Thank you, but Sam. Keith and I will remember under Nixon the big grain treat. Do you remember that, Keith? When, when I was actually involved in that through Cook Industries, was, was which was shipped, the first was American grain dealer to sell grain to the Russians. Yeah, we, 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 we had a policy of shipping grain at, at bargain prices or free to the Soviet Union to help the Soviet Union. That was under Nixon. Yeah. Uh, and the Russians begged for food. Germany, for the, one of the first times since the, the war, independently said they would send food to, keep the, 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 to help the anti-communist government make it through the winter. George Bush I, the CIA, former CIA director, part and parcel, as all the Bushes are, of the U.S. military-industrial complex, the blood industry, like the Cheneys, he announced that the U.S. would not send any food to Russia. And he said, why, the communists might come back. They might take over. And if we send food, why, the communists would get the food. This from a government that sent food to the communists. And it's just obvious not, Gobbledygook! Obviously, he was—he was—he—he. They wanted communism back because they loved it when they could keep the American people obsessed with fighting communism, while our neighborhoods were being lost to immigrants who were pouring into the country. We were more concerned about here we go. Oh, we got to keep Afghanistan free than that we have to keep Texas American. <laughs> and, and and the Bushes loved this stuff. Uh, he, People forget George Bush the first flew to 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 Kiev during all this time, and he spoke to the, the people of Ukraine. Y'all remember that? You ever heard that? And what he told them was, "You need to stay in the Soviet Union." <laughs> that was our president. That was our president. Hey. Well, that was their president, as you say, Sam. We have to abjure yeah, the realm. I yeah. guess it was our you president. You know, uh, it doesn't who, what party gets in charge. Our policy seems to be the same. I will tell you this, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. You see by now why Sam Dixon was the first, second, and third choice for tonight's conversation about Russia, Putin, Carlson, and why we couldn't limit him to only one hour. Thankfully, he has agreed to stay for a second hour, we asked him just minutes before the show started, and uh, we're going to put a pause on this. We're going to put a pin in it. We'll be back in five minutes. Don't go anywhere. The second hour with Sam Dixon as we continue this conversation.